Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. What a blessing it is to know that in this world of loneliness and isolation and struggle, that there is a guarantee still that we can be in your presence, find peace and hope there. Lord, I pray, though, that that will not just end with you, but that it will flow down to us, too, that we will live like you. Speak to us now, I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So about six years ago, in fact, I, is almost exactly six years ago, a member came to me with a, uh, called a complaint for a service. Maybe I'll call it a concern. They came to me with a concern. They said, Pastor, what I loved about the Spencerville Church was that I was able to come in and come out, go out without being bothered. And now I'm walking in and people are saying hello to me in the parking lot and people are opening the door for me. And they were really kind of frustrated about this. This was, this was what I liked about Spencerville that I was unnoticed. And I was sitting there because I knew that this person was serious and this was a complaint. It, I was trying to to keep a, you know, a, a proper facial expression and be sympathetic and empathetic. Well, inside, I was just, this, this person that doesn't like to be greeted in the parking lot or have a door open for them was about to get a giant hug from their pastor. Because when I moved here seven years ago, over seven years ago now, seven years ago, November, uh, one of the things that, that, that was communicated to me by the board and by the search committee is, Pastor Chad, we want to become a, a warmer community. And so you might remember that some of my very first sermons and, and one of our first initiatives was in creating our His teams. Those are our hospitality and our greeting teams. Help, inform, support. And these teams... We're, we're, we're working, which is what this person was communicating to me. People are saying hello to me in the parking lot and they're, they're opening doors for us. And by the way, thank you to our His team today. But on a side note, some of you were part of those teams and, 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 and since COVID you've left and I just want to say we need you back. And some of you were not part of those teams or are new here. If you don't have any other role within the family here, we could use you in that. In fact, pull out your connection card and write His team on it. Put your name and a contact information, and I will reach out to you this week. We serve about five or six weeks. But this sermon is not about our His teams, though a warm church is part of what I am speaking of, and a strong, welcoming ministry definitely helps that. But, but, but what I want for this church and what I want us to, to think about as we are continuing in 2022 to talk about what it means and what it looks like to be disciples of Jesus and how disciples of Jesus act and how they treat one another and how they treat others and what they believe. I, I want us to think about the need for us to move from being a friendly or a warm church. And I want us to think about going deeper into being a caring church. And so if you will, please open your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter eight, Luke chapter eight. And while you're turning there, just let me say that I was so appreciative of Pastor Matthew's sermon last week, uh, Faith Without Favoritism, as I think the name of it, but I was, I was blessed by that. And I'm so grateful for our media team, Pastor Jason and our entire media team. So when I'm home, uh, isolated in my room, I can still uh, be a part of the service. But 
But Pastor Matthew's sermon, you know, he communicated what James had written down and, and the Holy Spirit used it to convict my heart. And, and I had not thought about that text in that way. Just as he said, oftentimes as Adventists, we use that text to make the point of the Sabbath, right? We, uh, if you break one of the commandments, you break all of them. And we then say, so remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And we talk about that a lot. And I loved how he pointed out that favoritism Showing favoritism is a breaking of the commandment. As, as bad as, maybe not as impactful in some ways, but definitely as bad and much, just as much of a sin as murder or adultery. Not according to me, not according to Pastor Matthew, but according to the writer of the book of James. It was a powerful thing, and so I was so grateful for that. And we're, we're somewhat continuing along that, that same theme. And in Matthew, I mean Luke chapter 8, and I'll begin in verse 40, and someone sent me a wonderful thing while I was in COVID, a recommendation that I share the texts with everybody because I tend to go through them very fast. And I didn't do that this week, but, but you know who you are and I know who you are who sent me that message. I'm going to try to make sure those get in the bulletin in the future so that if I go too fast, you'll have those and you can look them up for yourself on the way home. But I didn't forget that. Uh, but well, I did forget that obviously, but I remembered it just now. So uh, I will try to get that for next week. Jason, did you hear that? Jason's and So those of you watching at home, you can remember and remind me too. Luke chapter eight and verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader came and fell at Jesus's feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12 was dying. And Jesus was on his way. The crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Jesus asked, who touched me? When they all denied it, Peter said, master, all the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at the feet of Jesus. Today, I want to tell you all as disciples of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus Christ, not just Christians in name or in a few beliefs, but as disciples of Jesus, we should not be satisfied until we have a church where every member of this church and everyone in the surrounding communities can say, man, if you go to Spencerville, you'll realize you cannot go unnoticed. You cannot go unnoticed. Sometimes we learn from Jesus's words. Sometimes we learn from Jesus' example. And, and, and in this sea of people, Jesus didn't let the one that needed to go noticed unnoticed. Jesus asked the question, who touched me? Luke gives us the response of Peter in a somewhat uh, toned down uh, way. But if you go back just one book, Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter five and verse 30. In Mark chapter five and verse 30, uh, Mark, who is definitely more blunt, he's the bluntest writer in the Bible or in the New Testament, at least. Mark chapter five and verse 30, telling the same story. Listen to how he describes that moment. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? The disciples answered, you see the people crowding against you, and yet you can ask, who touched me? 
uh, I hear the, uh, the, the incredulity in their voice. Jesus, there's so many people around here. How can we know, how can we pay attention to who touched you? I think about the examples that we see in this story and, and, and even those that are closest to Jesus, even followers of Jesus, had their eyes closed metaphorically, and did not see the one in the crowd that most needed to be noticed in that moment. Most of us in here are Christians, and, and most of the folk that are watching uh, at home right now are Christians. And every day, every day we pass people in our, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, at the store, at the bank, in the post office, that need to be noticed and we miss them every single day. Even worse, many Sabbaths, we come here and we come into this beautiful facility and, and we sit down and all around us, there are people that need to be noticed, but feel unseen, even in our midst. While I was in, in, in a COVID, my COVID quarantine, and we did the hardcore quarantine. My wife came and knocked on the door, Christina. She put food outside my door, and I'd open the door and get it. It was, you know, it was, it was legit. And, uh, and if I ever came to the door and she was still close by, she said, why isn't your mask on? Okay, I'll get my mask on. So it was legit, but, but I, would, I would get my food. But while I was there, you know, I realized I needed to probably do something productive. And so I put together a list and and, and I reached out to over 60 individuals within our church, mainly people that I have not communicated much with, maybe other than just a hello and welcome when they join the church. But I just thought, you know, there's a lot of people I haven't communicated with. So I reached out to these people and just asked them if there was anything that I could pray for them about. And you know the responses that I got, what I realized is there are a lot of people going through a lot of things. People that, that, that no one else knows what is going on, but but God does, of course, but, but they need to be noticed in some way. And yet we miss them, just like the disciples missed that lady. Now, I want us to, to think about, and even what Fernandez sang about reminds us of this, that if there's someone in here, uh, if you felt unloved or unnoticed or unvalued at this church, if you've, if you've gone unseen in some way, I want to say I'm sorry. Please forgive me and forgive your fellow church members. If, if you're at home and, and you feel like you're no longer noticed and connected as a part of the church, I want to say to you, I'm sorry. Please forgive us and myself and forgive our church for not seeing you as still a part of this body. We should do better. But I want to say to all those people, just as Fernanda saying, and just as, as we see in this story, that, that, that even when sometimes those closest to Jesus don't live as they should, as disciples that notice and see the people that need to be noticed, uh, uh, that Jesus still notices everyone. No matter who you are and no matter what you've gone through, Jesus notices. There are people in this room that feel that they have not been noticed, but I want you to know that Jesus sees you and he knows you. And, and though sometimes we have a church have let you down, Jesus still sees you and knows you. And he wants you to know that he has not missed what is going on 
in your life. And that's an example of disciples. But our example as disciples of Jesus Christ is not to say, okay, who can we live up to that is a little bit better than us? Our desire as disciples of Jesus Christ and our our hope should be and our prayer should be is that, that we live up to the model of Jesus, that by the grace of God and by the help of God, we live up to the model of Jesus. The Bible says, be ye perfect therefore as your Father in heaven is perfect. This is not talking about uh, perfectionism. In fact, if you read that text in context, and this is just off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. If you read that text in context, immediately it then begins to talk about loving and caring for people. Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven. How is that? Oh, love and care for people. And so, so our call is to, to grow in the way that Jesus loves and notices people. And we should say our goal as a church, even in a big church, though not as full as it has been in past times because of COVID, but even in a church like this, in a big church, our mission is to never be okay being the unseen disciples. Our mission is to always try to be the people that notice others. Our mission is to be true disciples and see people as Jesus sees them so that no one goes unnoticed. Now, just in case there's a contrarian here who says, well, of course, Jesus noticed this person. Uh, Power went out from him, the Bible tells us. And so, of course, he would notice that. He would have a special advantage on that. Well, there are too many examples in the Bible in which Jesus noticed people when no power went out of them. What about the, the story that we learned when we were all kids, if you grew up in church, in Luke chapter 19? Turn there to Luke chapter 19. And we read this story, Luke chapter 19 and verse one, in which the Bible tells us this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. There's a large crowd of people. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached that spot, he stopped and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to go to your house today. Come down. I want to go to your house today. Well, Pastor Jesus saw him because he was up in a tree. Okay, well, then what about this story in John chapter five? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter five. Again, the very first verse in John chapter five. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonies. Here, a great number of people Disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in his condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well, sir? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. One person in the midst of all this crowd, and Jesus knows that's the one that most of all needs to be noticed in this moment, lying there, and Jesus notices him and heals him. Or what about Matthew chapter nine? Matthew chapter nine, it's in all the gospels, these stories over and over again. Matthew chapter nine, verses nine through 13. 
In Matthew chapter nine, verses nine through 13, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Let me pause right there for just a second. The stories are too many. Jesus had his eyes open to make sure that no one that needed to be noticed ever went unnoticed. As we live in these last days of earth's history, we are called to notice things. And a lot of us think about what we're called to notice in these last days are the signs of the times. And yes, we're called to notice that. Look at the tree. If you see it in this shape, this is a sign that the end is near. We're called to notice the signs of the times. I was on the phone with a member and they were saying to me, hey, pastor, you know, um, you study some of these things. You think we're living in those last days? I do believe we're living in the last days. And guess what? As I've said many times, and you probably have heard me say, and I'll keep saying it over and over again, even if it's not the literal last days, as in Jesus is going to come while before I've died, it's still my last days. And it's still your last days, because this is all the life that we have to live. And then I sleep and then I wake up and see Jesus's face. So these are my last days. I just had a birthday this week. I turned 44 years old. In my family, people live about 90 to 95. So you may have to put up with me for a lot more years. But that means I'm almost already halfway there. And so these are, I only got half a more lifetime to 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 live for Jesus. And we're definitely supposed to notice the signs of the times. But you know what we're supposed to notice as well as we draw nearer and nearer to the end of time? The people around us. Pray that people open their eyes and see that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What is Jesus saying? Open your eyes to see the people. There's signs everywhere. Open your eyes to see the people. The stories are too many. Jesus had his eyes open to make sure no one went unnoticed. And Jesus always reached out to those people. And noticing someone, folks, is more than just, I'm going to say a bit more about this in a minute, but noticing someone is more than just greeting them in the parking lot or opening a door for them. This is good. And in fact, I would encourage some of you before you go home today, try to say hi to someone that you've never said hi to before. Just, just try it. Just give it a try. Something we can all do. But, but, it, but it's more than that. This woman who for 12 years, and that's what we see in the stories, this woman who for 12 years had been unnoticed and unvalued, Jesus not only looks at her knowingly like with a smile and says, yeah, I know you were healed. No. He specifically calls to her and points her out. Ellen White wrote this in Desire of Ages. Such trust should not be passed without comment. He would speak to the humble woman words of comfort that would be to her a wellspring of joy. In the case of Zacchaeus, also a pariah amongst the, the crowd that was keeping him from seeing Jesus. Jesus doesn't just look up into the tree and say, hey, what's up, buddy? Good to see you. No, Jesus stops and he says, Zacchaeus, Come down, because I'm going to your house today. He communicated to Zacchaeus that he valued him, that he, that he cared about him. Uh, noticing someone is more than just saying hello. It is no, getting to know that person as well. To Matthew, the tax collector, Jesus not only said hello as he walked by, he says, follow me. And then as we continue in Matthew chapter 9, look at what it says. 
while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. So Jesus tells him to follow him, but then he also goes to Matthew's house and many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. In other words, Jesus noticed the one that no one thought he should notice because he was a tax collector. He calls him to follow him and then he goes to his house so that he can notice others that probably also have gone unnoticed in that Jewish and religious society. This last week, we remember Dr. Martin Luther King as we do every third Monday of Jan every year at the third Monday in January. And Dr. Qu King, whenever, if you're on social media at all, uh, whenever we come to Dr. King's birthday, we always hear the quotes from Dr. King. Of course, we hear some of the speech, I had a dream and, and I've not been to the mountaintop yet. Maybe some of you have read the wonderful um, uh, writings, letters from a Birmingham jail. These are all wonderful things and read them, listen to them regularly. They're amazing. But, but there's a quote that he has that you maybe have not um, heard and it is this. True compassion is more than flinging a coin at a beggar. When I speak of no one going unnoticed in our church, I'm not just talking about saying hello. We should say hello to everyone and that's a good thing. But just saying hello is like flinging a coin at a beggar. It's good. It's better than nothing, but it's not being a disciple. To notice someone as a disciple is to get to know someone. To notice someone as a disciple is to get to know someone, to begin to take an interest in someone, to care for someone, to truly show that person that they are valuable to you. So how should we do this? I'm going to get practical here. I'm going to give you two ways in which we can do this. And then I'm going to sit down. And what I'm about to say is in no way profound, just so you know. But I hope you'll still listen to me anyways. Two things. The first is just about you by yourself. It's just about you by yourself. Someone may still say, you know what? Jesus was still Jesus and he he, he was able to see and discern things that I can't see and discern. I don't remember the scripture right at the moment, the numbers of it, but, but, but Jesus told us he does nothing except for as his father directs him. And when I, when I think about that scripture, I think, okay, well, where, how did God direct him? How did God give him this insight? I do nothing unless my father communicates it to me. Mark chapter one and verse 35. Mark chapter one and verse 35. The Bible tells us this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Where he prayed. It, folks, well, I, I can't be Jesus. I can't, I don't know how to discern these things. Jesus got up every day, and he started his day by asking God to lead his life. And I can promise you that if you get up every day and you pray this prayer, Lord, help me to see people through your eyes. You will start to see people in a different way. You will start to notice things about people uh, that, that maybe you didn't notice before. You'll suddenly discern that I need to talk to that person. There was someone in, in, in um, during, when I was reaching out to those 60 people, I had that list of people that I was contacting and someone popped into my brain. This is absolutely true. Someone popped into my brain and I suddenly thought to myself, I haven't seen those people in quite a while. And they've, were, they've been regular 
church members here. And, and, and I just, they just popped into my brain. So even though they weren't on my list, I, I felt convicted. Okay, I need to, to say something. So I, so I contacted them. And, and when I was, when I was uh, communicating with them, they said to me, well, Pastor, uh, as you know, it's been a tough year for us. And you know what I said? No, I had no idea. They thought maybe that's why I was calling. I, I said, I had no idea. I said, literally, I'm just contacting you because you popped into my brain while I was contacting 60 other people. And so I decided that I better reach out to you. And then God was able to allow me to communicate with them. And, and uh, we have a plan to have a, a further dialogue on some things. But, but these are the things that, that God can do. These are the things that God opens this opportunity. We pray. So, so the thing that all of us can do by ourselves, we don't need anybody else's help, is to simply start every day saying, Jesus, help me to see people as you see people. But then there is a second aspect of no one going unnoticed. And that is this, that once we get off our knees and once we get out of that moment, we have to socially engage with others. In the book of Luke alone, where I started, there are 10 stories of Jesus connecting with people and then eating with those people, socially engaging with those people. Many of the people we see that Jesus engages one-on-one, he then spends time with them. He eats with them. He fellowships with them. In the case of, in the book of John, when Jesus meets the woman uh, at the well, he then stays in her city for a few days and spends time with her and with all the people in her city. And I know during the pandemic, what I may say now is, is not the most comfortable and it's not the most comfortable for environment for that. And I understand that. So here's what I would ask you to do. Commit in your heart and in your mind, make a commitment that once you are comfortable and once others are more comfortable, that, that you will have people over to your house to eat, that you will invite people to, to share a meal with you, that you will get a group of friends together once the weather is nicer, a little more warm, and, and, and you'll have a picnic together. You'll, you'll take someone out to eat, whatever it may be. Social engagement is not a few minutes before or after church. That is why it is imperative as we are approaching the last days that every one of us, everyone who wants to be a disciple and help others grow as disciples, everyone that wants to make sure that no one goes unnoticed, that everyone makes a decision to be a part of a smaller group within the larger group. If you're not in a connect group already, I would say, I want you all to be in a connect group. If you're not a part of a connecting and caring Sabbath school, then I want to encourage you all to be part of a connecting and caring Sabbath school. It's something we need to be doing. And by the way, you might already be part of some group like this. I was visiting, I was driving down the road and, and someone popped into my brain and I happened to be driving past their, their road and so I turned left and then turned left again. You don't need to worry about all that, but, but these are the lefts I made. And then I turned in, and it was also left, into their driveway. And uh, so I went into their driveway and I knocked on their door and I rang their bell and they didn't come down and they didn't answer. And so I knocked on their door and I rang their bell again and they didn't come, didn't answer. So I knocked on their door and rang their bell again and they didn't come down and they didn't answer. And so then I called them because, I mean, no one likes more than anything a pestering pastor. And so I called them and they didn't hear the knocks on the door or the ringing of the bell. So I'm glad I kept doing it. But this is a person, an elder, 
elderly member that has not been at church uh, through COVID and has had, had to stay away, but they, they came to my brain. So I stopped in at their house and I, and I was visiting with them and they said, Pastor, I, I am in total support of this connect group thing, this small group thing. Even though I'm not in a group, I'm in total support. And they, then they began to tell me, and there's three people, and they listed maybe three or four people that they regularly uh, call and that those people call them and they are caring for and taking care of one another. And you know, I said, you are in a connect group. It doesn't have to be a registered connect group. You're still doing what we are wanting people to do, to connect and to care for one another so that no one goes unnoticed. That is a connect group. You grab a few friends, even today, you make a decision, you grab a few friends and you start connecting to care for one another, to pray for one another, to, to grow with one another. That's what a connect group is. Community, caring for each other. And I believe it is the only way that no one will go unnoticed in this church. It's the only way that no one will go unnoticed in this church because I can't keep track of everybody. Pastor Candace can't keep track of everybody, even though she's amazing and keeps track of like almost everybody. But I, I can't do it, she can't do it, but we need all of us together communicating. And by the way, by the way, smaller communities within the larger communities caring for each other is something that makes heaven smile down upon us. When I think of my life, I want Jesus to be smiling down upon what I do. So you don't think this is just me, someone much smarter than me. She wrote it about 100 plus years ago uh, in Testimonies of the Church, page six, Ellen White wrote this. Christian sociability, listen to what she says, is altogether too little cultivated by God's people. If it was too little cultivated by God's people when they didn't have TV, when they, when they didn't have garages to park in, when they, when they, when they didn't have cell phones, when, when they didn't have restaurants to go to, if it was too little cultivated then, is it, is it too little cultivated now? Social, Christian sociability is altogether too little cultivated by God's people. By social intercourse, by social engagement, acquaintances are formed and friendships contracted, which result in a unity of heart and an atmosphere of love, which is pleasing in the sight of all of heaven. Pleasing in the sight of all of heaven. It is going to take all of us to make sure that none of us go unnoticed. If we are disciples of Jesus, we will take this mission personally, to heart. We will pray that we have the eyes of Jesus every single day. We will connect in smaller communities to care and support one another because we do not want even one person to go unnoticed in our community. So here's my action step for you today. In your home, when you go home, I hope you will talk about it if you have a family with you that you'll talk about together, that you, that you call up some other friends and say, let's get together and let's connect. Let's make a connect group or let's connect as a group. If you're by yourself, if you're single, determine in your heart to look for someone, to, some, to look for some people that, that you can go, go, join with so that no one goes unnoticed. Make a decision today. Let's all make a decision today that we will be like Jesus, and we will live out this sociable, pleasing life that is beautiful in the eyes of heaven. And so that everyone will realize, you know, if you go to Spencerville, you'll never go unnoticed. Wouldn't that be a wonderful testimony about this church? 
If you go to Spencerville, you will never go unnoticed. And what ultimately is the purpose? The Bible tells us in Luke chapter eight that when the woman realized that she could not go unnoticed, she came and she fell at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus tells her that she is saved. Your relationship may just draw someone to the feet of Jesus and they will realize like they never have before that they have a God in heaven that loves them and that has saved them. If that's not worth us taking a little bit of time every day to pray and getting out of our comfort zones to make sure I will connect with someone, then what are we here for? And why do we exist? Lord Jesus, help us. Help us to be a church that becomes a place where people realize you can't go out there without being noticed. And not just notice because people say hello to you in the parking lot or because they open doors for you, though we love that. But notice because people take time to get to know one another. Not by our might, not by our power, but by your strength, Jesus, by your spirit, lead all our hearts to embrace this mission, to choose to be a part of a community where no one goes unnoticed. And may such a community see people falling at the feet of Jesus in love with him. In your name we pray. Amen.